You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. Today, we head to the Great North as we make our first trip to the state of North Dakota and sit down with Jason Weiberg of Devil's Lake High School. Jason is heavily involved both with his state association and the NIAAA, and we touch on a variety of topics from a very unique way to fundraise, to hiring, and even evaluating your programs. Let's settle in and get to know CMAA Jason Weiberg. Coach Weiberg, we're so glad to have you joining Don and me for this episode of Hanging with the AD. Another first for us, you are our first guest from the state of North Dakota. So uh, we're happy to have someone joining us from the uh, northwest uh, there, uh, part of our country. So thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Yeah, no problem. All right. For our listeners, Jason Weiberg is the activities director at Devil's Lake High School in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. For the 22-23 school year, Jason is serving as the second vice president and co-LTC certification coordinator for the NDIAAA. And at the national level, Jason is the co-chair of the NIAAA Endowment Committee. So you can see Jason's really active at the state and national level, as well as his local school there in North Dakota. But um, just, just to give you an insight of who Jason is and how he does his job, he was awarded the Class A AD of the Year in 2019 and the State Award of Merit in 2017 by the NDI AAA. That's a mouthful there. I don't know. I would have picked some different initials, but uh, I'm not from North Dakota. Jason and I have gotten to know each other over the past year as we've served together on a committee that's created a new LTC course, LTC 704. So it's been good to get to uh, know Jason through that process. And I'm going to stop right there and let Jason tell us a little bit more about his journey through the world of athletics. Uh, Jason, we like to call it the back of the baseball card bio. So if you could just share with our listeners and us what the back of Jason Weiberg's baseball card might look like. Um, I guess this is my uh, 25th year in education, 13th year in Devil's Lake as AD. Uh, I started out actually as an elementary teacher, teaching third grade for a couple of years. Uh, then I switched to fifth grade for three years uh, back in my hometown. Uh, coached girls basketball, boys basketball, boys golf, volleyball. Started being an AD. Actually, when I was in the fifth grade classroom, they needed an AD. So I stepped in my third year of teaching and sort of been going AD ever since. And then um, the school I first was hired at to teach third grade hired me back to be an elementary principal. So I was an elementary principal for eight years and there I was an AD as well, uh, which is sort of weird because I was in an elementary building uh, disconnected from the high school and doing a high school AD job uh, before I came here to a bigger school in North Dakota where I'm activities director, uh, assistant high school principal, but I'm lucky that the high school principal um, doesn't have me do too many high school duties other than a little bit of discipline from time to time. That's great. Yes, sir. We like those creative principles, right? right? Holy cow. I tell you what, now we've had, we've had a principal who was also an athletic director. I don't know if we've ever had an elementary school principal who was also wearing that hat. So congratulations, sir. You you are a, a true unicorn uh, in, in that regard. I was um, going to say unique, not unicorn, but you're right. I'll yeah. Take yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting. You work in, you know, elementary middle. I think that they ought to get credit like dog years. I think it ought to count more than, than it, 
than it actually does. But that's a completely different conversation for a different day. Jason, we noticed that your district offers an activity pass for adults, students, and senior citizens. Uh, we do those passes as well. Uh, can you talk about how you market those passes among your community? You know, also for us, we believe it gives the students a reason to come to the games and maybe that they wouldn't normally um, and be a little bit more involved in the events uh, to create a better environment, that game day environment. So would you agree with that, that you've seen that that activity pass helps with your fan attendance and how do you promote it? Um, I think it does. Uh, we have, I guess, a lot of, we don't sell, it seems like a lot of student passes per se. We sell more adult passes. Uh, they're not overly expensive at $80 for an adult and at 40 for students. Senior citizens, we let them in free. Uh, so anybody uh, 65, we go to 65 and older, we give them a free pass to come to games because usually grandma and grandpas are pretty good in the stands. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's pretty good. Um, uh, but we have a lot of kids that are free sport athletes yet. So we jump on sport to sport. So we do sell to those that don't take part and our student section is really, really good. We've even had a last year, we had multiple opposing coaches come and tell us how good our student section was loud. The atmosphere was good and they were also appropriate, which is what we hope. And, and that was at a volleyball, we had a volleyball coach do that and a basketball coach from other communities say that our student section is one of the best that they've seen and, and heard. And as long as they keep it appropriate, we're good. Yeah, so let's stay on that for a minute. I, I was fortunate enough to present last year at the uh, National Conference with Jeff Barons out of Wisconsin. Our topic was controlling fan behavior. So what do you do? What do you what do y'all have in place there that creates that good fan experience or good fan behavior, especially by those students? I, I think the biggest thing is our principal communicates well with our students. Uh, we communicate our expectations. Uh, we set them right from the start so they know that. But we also reach out to Every year, our senior leaders, who we know are going to be in the stands from time to time, uh, whether that be some of our football players, because we know they're coming to the volleyball match, or uh, some of our hockey or uh, boys basketball players, girls basketball players, when they're at the opposing you know games. Uh, but we really sit down with some of our leaders, uh, student council, ROTC, and those in all those different op- activities and sit down with them at the beginning and come up. This is you. We sell it. This is your school. How do you, how do you want your school to be? Um, and they're the ones that have really helped us police that crowd and change that atmosphere in our student section because of how they want things. And a lot of times they'll nip, they help us with the freshmen right away. Cause if they're out of line, they'll tell them they're out of line. That's good. Uh, which yeah. is help. Yeah, that's good. I like that question. Uh, challenge, challenge the kids to how they want their school to be perceived. And that's good. Good. All right, Jason, another thing, and we're kind of jumping in the weeds with some of the things that you do that we found very unique and, and uh, could be shared with others that uh, valuable to others. Uh, we saw on your website, uh, very intriguing to me, at least uh, from a local school AD is your lot uh, dough fundraiser. I'm trying to say that right. And uh, it seems like there may be multiple facets to the reason for doing this fundraiser. Obviously, there's the fundraiser part of it, but there's the frequency of the drawing seems to be purposed around keeping people engaged with Devil's Lake Athletics, maybe. Can you talk about this specific fundraiser as it is unique from anything we have seen at the high school space uh, from what we've researched? Well, I started it, um, I think... I think this is the fourth or fifth year 
And I basically started it because we needed some income for some bigger purchases, especially uh, helping track and field and those things that don't have a strong uh, booster group at the moment. You know, when you go to purchase track equipment, a track mat or a low volt mat or a high jump mat, something like that, those things are expensive and with no limited funding. But just started, it's a drawing that runs six months. Uh, basically, we start in July. Probably should have started in August because July is my one month off. So I have to come in every week uh, just to, to draw. Uh, but I, it's, it's all right. Um, you know, give away about 15350 bucks because it's uh, you give away two $25 winners Monday through Friday. And Saturday is $100. Uh, Sunday is $200. And then on Christmas, I make it $1,000 that we give out for that day. It's pretty um, cool. Just to, yeah, just to, we draw Monday at 10 o'clock. Um, We'll draw Friday if I'm not going to be here Monday to, to have. I have students come in and sometimes draw. I have paras, teachers, whoever I can find free around that time. I go grab someone to draw. So I have multiple people in there and, um, you know, the tickets go back in each time. But it's been a pretty supportive thing because you're giving away cash. You're giving away 315. I think it's around 315, depending on, you know, how the, where the calendar falls, winners each year. We sell usually around 1,200 tickets. We haven't really pushed any more than that but um i usually give uh, each head coach a couple books and any other coach that'll sell and then i usually hit up ad's across the country <laughs> that's interesting how much do you sell the ticket for uh only 20 bucks and so 20 bucks gets me eight that gets me in it gets you in the drawing yep and you have 315 chances to win interesting so like all my head girls basketball coach, I don't know how many tickets he bought, but I drew his name again yesterday. I drew his name the week before I drew his wife the week before that. So I told them they're going to start thinking it's fixed. Yeah. They, they, they got a racket going on there. Yeah. Right. But he did buy 10 tickets. And so far he's only won the $25 prizes. He hasn't won the 100 or 200 yet. That, that's, I, I think it's just an awesome fundraiser. I, I do. And the more you talk about it, I, I, I can see that your community's engaged in your athletics because they got to go to the website to see if they want it looks like, which means you got them there. You got, you've captured them. And um, obviously you're giving them away money and no, no one's going to not be excited about making money there, but that that's really cool. Really, really, really creative. So commend you on that. And, uh, so I'm gonna see if our district let us give away some cash. I don't know if that'll work or not here, but <laughs> it's been a little easier to sell tickets when you're giving away cash rather than different prizes, and they have so many chances to win. And um, it, it's been not too hard to sell tickets. At least I have people asking me for tickets after we start drawing. I always have people that, hey, can I get a ticket still? So that part's been good that people ask for them rather than hounding them. I think we found our quote image. Yeah. <laughs> It's always good to get participation when you're giving away cash. That that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Now, did you have to work through your any policies or anything to get that uh, you know giving away cash, um, kind of do a raffle or anything like that to get that approved? Um, I did not because I'm also in charge of fundraising in the district. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, however, I had to get of, a co- of course you are. Yeah, I had to get a permit from the city. Right. Um, so I had to get the permit from the city and get that approved. Um, I did go to the superintendent at the time to make sure he was okay with it. Um, I have a pretty close, our superintendent's in the same building as, as myself. So only on the other end. So I just make sure that he's well informed of, of those things like that, especially a new one, uh, which was a new fundraiser and 
you know. So it's been no. it's been all right. It's been pretty like I said, it hasn't been too hard to sell uh tickets. Yeah, it sounds like it's a no brainer based on the numbers, but also once again, I mean you can't you can't fault someone for trying to get your community involved and stay involved and in the know and and, and uh that's really good. Really good. So you'll hey, be amazed. You'll be amazed if uh, the winners aren't posted by eleven o'clock on Monday morning. How many emails or questions we have? Did you draw yet this week? That's funny. Yeah, uh, that's uh, yeah. Plenty of people checking your website, right? That's good. Right. <laughs> that's neat. All right, Jason. Let's switch gears a little bit. Talk about your involvement at the national level. Obviously, you and I have got to know each other through uh, helping uh, on the committee to do that course that I mentioned, but you are involved more than that uh, with the NIAAA endowment. And uh, we mentioned that you are now right now serving as the vice chair of that endowment committee for me. And we do some things at the state level to help with that endowment, I think, or the, excuse me, the initiative, which is different. But for me, the endowment is an under the radar piece of the NIAAA. Uh, But y'all do big things for the endowment. I've run in the 5k race and I think that's a part of it. Talk about, if you don't mind, the different ways ADs can contribute to the endowment. And when they do, what are they contributing to? For instance, I know I don't think there's a 5K race this year in Nashville. I think the golf tournament is a top golf event. Obviously, there's a little bit of a, a weather situation there uh, or possibility, I guess you would call it there. But y'all do a solid auction. So talk about the endowment, how it works, what it does, and, and what people are contributing to, if you don't mind. Right. The endowment. Um... Again, wherever the national convention is, first we have to follow their state rules. Like sometimes we can do uh, run walk, sometimes we can't. Golf tournament, of course, is determined by weather. Sometimes we can't do a silent auction because of different rules in that state. So it just depends on, first of all, what that state will allow with their uh, different gaming rules and, and uh, like a silent auction and things like that. We've tried when the warmer weather, we've done a, a golf tournament and a run walk event. And then colder temps, we just started doing top golf, uh, which we've done that only one year. Uh, this will be year two. And uh, a lot of ADs like that last year. We think it's going to grow um, this year. Uh, heard a lot of good things with the food and, and positive like that. Of course, we try to sell the endowment pin. You know, there's a lot of collectors of, of the pins over the years of the city and, and things like that. Uh, we usually order three to 400 of those. Um, we usually sell around 300. I think we usually have 400 and some people will say they didn't get one or want one. Um, that is on the registration finally to make our lives easier. I think a little bit is getting that on the registration so people can buy it up front and then just go to a booth and collect it, which will also be a lot easier than hounding people. <laughs> I feel we do sometimes, but you know, that we take donations, all that stuff for the endowment. But the endowment really is um, growing and then goes back to the states for outreaches. So some places, you know, each state can apply for an outreach, which is then ADs will get 501 and 502 for free, along with 503 that they'll have to take within the next year, uh, which really helps with those beginning LTI courses. So states can apply for that. Uh, the other part is each state every three years can apply for an endowment grant, which is a thousand dollars, which basically is a one piece, one page piece of paper that if you fill it out, you get the grant. It's really simple. Uh, it's amazing to me that states don't do that. There are some states that don't, don't do it. I know in North Dakota, we do it. 
every third year. And then we use that thousand dollars to bring in a speaker from out of state somewhere. We use that thousand dollars to help pay for travel and to get someone else, someone fresh with different ideas into North Dakota into our conference. And so I know when I went to the section five meeting this summer, there was three states in our section out of six that were that were able to apply for that grant. So they did it right there as we were at section five. Um, so they could get that thousand dollars. Those are two of the biggest things, but a lot of that, you know, when you're doing the outreach, at least the money then is going back to our members with 501, 502, 503 items like that. That's all really good stuff. Now, Jason, in, in his book, Heroes Wanted, author Rodney Bullard states, one of the best indicators of the quality of our leadership and our hero potential is what he calls it, is how people feel in our presence. If we belittle others, they feel afraid. If we make demands, they feel anger or overwhelmed. If we overlook people or take them for granted, they're going to feel insecure. But when we're present with them, they feel valued uh, and they're inspired and empowered. How do you fight the urge to always be thinking about the next thing while engaging your coaches and community? I think that that's something that we all kind of battle. We're in our in our mind, we're always thinking, no matter who we're in front of, we're always thinking about that list, right? That is sitting somewhere that we've got to check it off. So how do you kind of navigate that? I think the best, the biggest thing is just kind of switch gears, change your focus, turn off distractions. And like I had a coach come in this morning that was upset about things. And I totally, I just shut my laptop down, turned my phone, put it in my desk. So even if it vibrates, I don't hear it. Uh, I just gave him my full attention because I knew there was something up that was bugging him that he was, and it had to do with an issue with another coach and how he was going to handle it as the head coach uh, dealing with another coach. You know, the meeting didn't take long. It was more about him venting to someone and coming up with some ideas on how to solve the issue together rather than on an island. Plus, he wanted me to be informed in case someone came to me next. So I think that's, I mean, just some of it is just making sure you're present. And I know that is hard sometimes, especially like right now, like we start school tomorrow. So wow. um, it, it is hopping here, not as bad today as, uh, you know, a week ago when kids were coming in nonstop for schedule changes. Um, I know our high school principal by himself in a week met with 300 students on schedule changes, 9 through 12. Thank goodness, thank goodness he doesn't involve me <laughs> in that part. Um, but just you, you got to be, you got to make an attempt to be mindful and listen I guess I'm one that a lot of the things I do, I can do four o'clock to 10 o'clock at night if I need to, but sometimes they don't have that. But I also try to get my coaches to understand sometimes there's other issues that I'm dealing with that need to, that need to take precedent over what they're, unless they have a fire burning as well. So there, I mean, there's two sides of it. You got to be empathetic of what other people are doing and feeling, but you also got to get other things done at the same time. And sometimes we, I guess I have to always remind myself that they would, whatever is pressing with them is really important right now to them. So I got to make sure I'm cognizant of that and, and give them my full attention. So I hear exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that's good. The idea of, again, here's, here's another example of if you want it done, you have to be intentional about it, right? You know, like, yeah, I take that laptop and I close it. Uh, and I really intentionally dial into that conversation. And, and I love what you said about being, you're, you're aware that when they came in there, that's an, that's an important thing to them, whatever it may be, it means something to them in that moment. And so you would want, you would want it done to you. And so to be able to be intentional about it, I think is good. Now, a conversation that we've had on here before, 
about the topic of growing one's capacity, right? So uh, expanding your capability as a whole. And, and I'm beginning to think that as we dig into it, the capacity has less to do with skill and talent, but rather character. Uh, I think that all the competency in the world can't compensate for a lack of character. And, and ultimately, your character is your lid. I believe character is the great leveler. That's the one that separates everybody out. How do we or how do you assess that when looking for coaches? What types of questions or conversations do you kind of put into those those interviews where you're able to pull that curtain back a little bit uh, to kind of see, kind of gauge that, I guess? It's hard to ask a character-based question in an interview. Uh, but when you're looking to fill openings, you know, what type of questions do you ask to kind of pull that curtain back a little bit? Well, uh, it's getting tougher and tougher. Uh, I have, like last year, I had a head boys basketball job open um, probably for four or five months with no applicants and had to really try to recruit out there. And I'm just, I think it's harder and harder to find coaches, but you know, to get to your question about asking character questions, again, I still learn more about trying to find someone that I know that I can call and get a reference on more than the interview. I think people can tell you whatever they want in an interview, whether they mean it or not. I, I do ask questions to get them, you know, to think like, how does it feel to be coached by you? I mean, because I want them to think about that. I talked, I, I don't know. Through all my many years, I've always had, we want, we're trying to teach educational athletics and we're trying to teach kids to stand up for themselves and talk for themselves. And, and when I had my coaches meeting last week with all my coaches, seven through 12, uh, cause I have seven through 12 on my plate. Um, and I just told them a junior high kid is not going to speak up to an adult coach. And you have to get that through your head that you're the adult. And if something's bugging them to reach out and just trying to get coaches to understand that, not every kid is going to, you know, come to an adult when something's bugging them. They're going to, I mean, I have uh, a sophomore and an eighth grader. My sophomore would probably say something. My eighth grader won't say boo. Uh, right. So every kid's different and to get kids to do that. So uh, character for me with coaches is so big and so huge, especially at the head coach level, because they should be molding and, and mentoring all the coaches underneath them. Um, but as for a golden question in an interview, I haven't found it yet <laughs> other than to try to make coaches think on their feet in that interview to see how they're going to react to certain questions of really getting them to think about when you coach and you're yelling at somebody, is that, is it really helping? Uh, is it hurting? I mean, what's, what's your purpose? Uh, is there a better way to, to do that? I coached girls, high school girls basketball for 13 years and I had players I could yell at to motivate, but I also had players I had to put my arm around to say, Hey, what did you do there? How could we do that better the next time? And they would play better that and not have five turnovers as soon as I set them back on the floor. You know? um, yeah. So getting coaches that, you know, realize that relationships are important and getting to know every player and kid. And so that way they understand what their needs are. I think that, that what does it look like to be coached by you? I, I've, what does it look like to be led by you? I think that those are, those are great ways to kind of tap into that because that's not a typical question that they would that you would get asked I don't think and I think that that's uh, I, I know I've asked that before and that has allowed uh, for a, a little bit more deeper conversation I think than it would otherwise and I think another thing that you bring up too and this is probably once you've hired them 
and you go out to practice and you, you, you see them yelling at a kid or whatever, what you said about that, that, why did you do that? Like, what was the, what was the end goal in, in losing your mind for 30 seconds or, you know, I, you know, that, that would, I'm glad I didn't have an AD ask me that I can assure you, but I think that that's, I think that's a good point as well. So Jason, just a little follow up on that, because we've talked about this topic in our class that uh, is being created at 704 to be rolled out for the first time in Nashville. But, um, you know, before we hit record on this episode, you mentioned one of the things you've had to do is snow blow the lines of a football field before a game. We were talking about when it gets cold in North Dakota. I think it's safe to say Don and I have never had to do that and probably in our careers would never have to. Uh, but on the flip side of that, I don't know if y'all y'all may have heat and humidity rules there in North Dakota. Ours are very strict because it gets very humid, and uh, we've had incidences where uh, it's caused some serious uh, problems, obviously with conditioning and stuff like that here in Georgia. So having different capacities for this job I think is important, right? We talked about the capacity uh, to, to find character in an interview but what kind of preparation as for the as the AD does it take for you to prepare for the interview so you get what you want? Um, so so you don't have someone interviewing for a job, you know, for a basketball. This is going to sound silly, but for a basketball job, talking about heat and humidity rules and you know those kind of things. And how do you make sure you get someone who may have experience having a clearer feel from snow? Uh, you know, you're not going to get that from me or anybody in Georgia. So those kind of people would might disqualify themselves beforehand. How do you prepare for an interview to make sure you're getting the information you need during that interview? I think it's way different now than it was uh, 20 years ago when I started being an AD. 20 years ago, I had multiple applicants, some in-house, a lot of out-of-house that you didn't yeah. know people. And you had to, I had to really do my, I mean, Call people on their yes, their reference list, but I find more out from people they don't have on their reference list. Why don't they have on their reference list? Um, and that's where I do my homework on, especially if someone I don't know. Now it's a lot harder to get a person to apply in my area in the division we are in and our travel because our conference uh, for us, my closest conference game is 90 miles one way. Wow. Wow. And then most of my conference games are 170 miles. There's six schools in that metro area at 170, six, seven schools now. And then I have another school at 120 and another one at a little over 200. It takes us four wow. and a half hours. That's, that's our conference. So we're we're wow. way away from everywhere else. So that's, I don't get a lot of applicants because people don't want to travel on a Tuesday night and get home at 1 a.m. from a conference. You know, so Whedon, those applicants that we get are, are, they know what they're asking for. They know what they're, right, they're right. asking for. Yeah. And so when I, when I'm interviewing, I guess I'm getting to try to know them and try to get them to understand philosophy and educational athletics, because like now I've been pretty fortunate until the last couple of years that most of my coaches have been on staff. Now I'm finally swinging the other way where we're getting a lot of coaches off staff, mm-hmm. even my head coaches. So I'm finding myself having to really work with them more than my on-staff ones because with our handbook and policies um, and just having them understand 
you know, like you asked another question, the question I've asked the last three, four years, basically one of my lead off with is what is educational athletics to you? Because it's amazing the answers I get and them not understanding what it is um, and just teaching leadership and cooperation and time management and all those things that you can teach in a practice or with your program, uh, community involvement and, and different things like that. And so I look for things like that, especially now that I'm getting a lot of more off staff coaches trying to see what their definition is and what separates us from AAU or uh, pay to play and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And that's just a big thing for me is the educational athletic pieces, which I've been preaching to my coaches, even the ones that have been here 20 years, it's different today than it was. And we have to be intentional about teaching those things to our, to our kids if we want them out in society and taking care of us later. <laughs> so that's kind of scary. Some of these kids taking care of us later, but uh, they're going to have to, you're right. So, Hey, one more question, Jason, before we get to our two minute drill and, and we're recording this in, uh, in the fall of 2022, the episode is probably going to uh, air more at the end. People are probably listening in December of 2022, which is fine. And we're coming up on the end of a calendar year. So let's talk about something that we as athletic administrators do probably several times a year, but especially at the end of the school year. And that is reflecting on our athletic teams, our programs, and our overall department. So can you share what strategies can you share tips that you could share that you have used to successfully evaluate your teams and maybe even better when you evaluate your athletic department as a whole you know maybe maybe a better way to say this or put it would be how do you determine the state of your athletic program well i think that evaluation is a 12-month process um, more than it ever has and i'm talking each individual activity to 12 months i tell my head coaches and stuff i'm evaluating their program on all year not just their season Uh, definitely not wins and losses but uh, what are we doing in the off season? What are you doing to help kids? Are you putting in some time to help them? And you can't expect them to go to the weight room if you're never going to go to the weight room and check on to make sure they're there or show that your presence and their time is, is valuable. Um, what are we doing out in our community? And um, our community reaches out to me all the time because we have a lot of our programs will help people. Um, we go out and if someone's moving, like the hockey team, football team, whoever will go and load vehicles. Uh, we just had a guy that lost his wife getting ready for an auction sale. So I had student council and ROTC, they lined up to go over there and help get things out of the attic because he couldn't get up in the attic. Mm. Uh, we have middle school programs that go uh, in the fall and rake people's yards. They reach out to the community and ask, hey, how do we, um, if you know of anybody that needs their yard raked, send us their name and address. And we take an afternoon and we go, instead of in the classroom, we go out and help our community. And I think those things all are part of a program and, and, and leadership in that head coach. And it also gets your, gets you support when things don't go your way on the scoreboard uh, with parents and grandparents and things like that. So there's always things we can do better. I always, it's easy to find negatives and things, but, um, and those seem to get in the media more, but we have to look for the positives and promote those, uh, whether it's in the, in the paper, radio, things like that. So I think, uh, you know, to evaluate a program and coaches and the whole department is, is just um, keeping positive and promoting those things and keep working on that community relations piece 
we have a college right outside our door working with the college. Uh, we have the state school for the deaf right out right behind my window here. We have the school for the deaf. So we work with them um, and just different things like that, reaching out to different organizations and groups and, and helping as much as we can. Yeah, that's really good. I, I, I think you said it all right there when you said it, it goes beyond what, what happens on the field and in high school athletics that can come and go as far as the success on the field, but you can always help your community. You can always find ways to make your program seem better than what it is, regardless. I mean, you may be a state championship team, and if you're doing stuff in the community, like you mentioned, people are going to think even more about you. They're not even going to think about the state championship. So, man, that that was a great way to finish up uh, that portion of our uh, episode, our conversation here. So if I'm listening, I'm going to rewind that part and just – um, get a good reminder of how to evaluate our programs and how to communicate that to our coaches and let them know that there's more to it than just what that school board says. So, Jason, appreciate you, man. Thank you for uh, sharing your expertise and uh, what you're doing up there in North Dakota. Now, we're going to get to know you a little bit better with what we call our two-minute drill. So this will be a little fun. And, Donna, get us started with that. Okay, Jason, we're going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions. You just tell us first thing that comes to your mind, okay? What was the first job you ever had, ever? Uh, driving a grain truck. All right. Hopefully this is a good one. What was your go-to board game? Monopoly. All right. If you got time to do it. If you could live in one decade forever, what would it be? 90s. What was your first car or truck? Chevy Corsica. 88 Chevy Corsica. 88. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to play a little game of over-under. So we're going to give you a term. You tell us if you think it's overrated or underrated, and you can tell us why you feel that way, okay? Bonfires. I have to say underrated because we live right by a lake, and there's a lot of bonfires, and my kids love s'mores. <laughs> That's good. Yes, sir. All right, hopefully I'm going to say this one right. Over-under. Wedding kitchen? Coogan, I'm guessing. Coogan, yeah, sorry. Coogan. There Probably. you go. Uh, well, I just had Coogan last weekend. <laughs> I thought I had a cross-country meet in the town where my uh, dad lives, and they had Coogan, so I had a piece. But uh, it's overrated. Fair enough. Ice fishing. Underrated. If you guys want to come, I will take you ice fishing. Not a problem. I, I, ha- I can keep you warm. I'm a diehard ice fisherman, uh, but I have multiple ice houses, and I have to ice house with or I have to fish with heat. So. Interesting. All right. Pretty cool. All right. Last one. Carnival rides. Overrated. I hate rides. <laughs> I'll second that. Uh, what is the best purchase that you have made recently? The uh, best purchase I've made recently is I just last year purchased a bow uh, for archery hunting for the first time. I've wanted to do it a long time, but. Uh, due to the job and not thinking I had the time or the patience just to sit there. I uh, didn't think I could do it, and I put it off for 20 years. I did it last year, and it was very relaxing to just go sit, clear my head. You could think about things quietly, and deer would come right up to the blind and eat. And I never shot one, but it was I went out, I don't know how many, whenever I could, I went out Wednesdays when we didn't have activities, quite permitting, uh, and then the weekends, and it was just very relaxing, and I would take one or two kids with and they would sit in the blind with me and had a blast just watching nature cool that sounds good all right if there was a draft for your favorite chocolate candy bar what would be your first round draft pick 
Snickers. I would agree with that. Uh, all right, big question that we've asked this uh, this season to all of our guests. If we're coming to your house for dinner, what's on the menu? Depends if I'm cooking or my wife. <laughs> um, if it is uh, summer right now, we're grilling something. So uh, hamburgers, hot dogs, fish, chicken, you name it. Uh, probably, if not, uh, due to my having three children, they all love pasta. So it's going to be spaghetti or something if they have any say. Gotcha. All right, let's finish with this question. It's kind of our trademark question today. Jason Weiberg, you've been hanging with the ADs, but let's say you could hang out with anyone. Who would that be and why? Um, probably uh, my dad, um, my grandpa, if he was still alive, just because I grew up fishing with my grandpa. Um, and then my dad now, um, don't see him as much as we used to when he lived right here. Um, I used to live in a town 25 miles from here and about 20 years, the government bought it out because the lake here was flooding. And at that time, then my dad got bought out by the government and, you know, moved away. So don't get to spend as much time with that. My kids don't get to spend as, you know, as much time with grandpa. Um, so probably my dad. That's a good answer. Jason, thank you so very much for the privilege of your time today. It's been great learning from one of our own. Uh, we know that your words are going to help others in the profession. So thanks again for the time. No problem. Well, how about that episode with Athletic Director Mr. Jason Weiberg from Devil's Lake High School in North Dakota? Once again, another state, another first forest, uh, another first uh, guest from the state of North Dakota. We were uh, happy to have Jason on and appreciate him sharing. If you're like me, you have a, a page full of notes. I have them all in the margin here. Jason has a ton of experience and was able to share with us a lot of how he does his job successfully and a lot of things we can take back. One of the things I wrote down is sense your coach's needs. I think a lot of times I get caught up in the uh, what do I need from my coaches instead of what do my coaches need from me. So I think that's a good challenge for us from Jason today. Have a sense, have a, a maybe a sixth or seventh sense there of knowing what your coaches need, especially when they walk into your office. Uh, all of us know that they don't always need us to fix something. Uh, they just want to vent or share ideas. Maybe they can help us do something. So have a sense of that. Uh, have a great re- working relationship with your principal and also uh, you know, work with your students. We're here for the students. Uh, create an environment, create an experience where the students can have fun. They know the expectations, but they can also have fun as well as develop their own leadership skills in the student sections and uh, places like that that they experience through our athletic departments and our athletic programs that we offer. You know, once again, we heard from Jason the the phrase educational-based athletics. It's amazing how often this comes up, not just with high school athletic directors, but with everyone we talk to because uh, we just live in a different space. We are teaching a lot more than just wins and losses and development of skills. And obviously, Jason pointed that out uh, once again for us today. So, Jason, we appreciate you joining us. We appreciate your work with the NIAAA to help us understand what that involves and how the NIAAA makes us better. So thank you for uh, your, your service to our national organization. Now, 
as we end every show, we'd ask for you to maybe shoot us a, a quick DM on social media, maybe a rating or review on the platform you're listening from. Give us a five-star, four-star, wherever we fall on that. We'd like to hear from you. We know there's a lot of folks listening, and we appreciate you listening, but we'd also love to uh, make this a little more two-way conversation if we could. So thank you for listening today, and as always, thank you for spending your time hanging with the ADs.